Hello to you and welcome to Mastering Success, hosted by yours truly, Brett D. Scott. Mastering Success is a platform for successful individuals to share their journey, inspire, and give hope to us all. Speaking about hope, if you're interested in reading my triple best-selling book, I Fly, a collaborative anthology of 20 authors sharing their stories of triumph through some very trying adversity, you'll find the link on this page or check Amazon to order. Without further ado, let us turn on the mic, turn up the speakers and listen to this next episode with anticipated excitement. All right, welcome everyone to Mastering Success with the beautiful Annette Densham. I'm really excited to have her on this morning because to be honest, mornings aren't her thing. <laughs> so she's done us a real favor. Um, and, and of course, or well, not of course, but I know of course for me, Annette is uh, busily not only doing her own uh, busy business, but also busily trying to get out our new book, which we are co-authors in called I Fly. If you haven't got your copy, um, I'll certainly pop it in the chat um, or in Netwell if she's quicker. I don't know, uh, <laughs> but um, it's a, it's a real like it, it's become a bestseller in a few different categories on Amazon. It's available in many other stores, but that's not why this. Uh, that's not why I've got a net on today. It's not to talk about the book. It's to talk about your journey. So, um, without further ado, welcome Annette, and thank you so much for coming. Tell me, Brent. You're welcome. <laughs> so tell me, uh, where did it all start? Well, I was going to give you the smart-ass answer and say, well, then I was born. <laughs> you can do that. You can do that. We've got a little bit of time. Well, then I was born. Um, I guess for me it started probably when I was about 10 when people started asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, back in the, the 80s, you, you, there weren't a lot of choices really because, you know, you didn't like go, oh, I was going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to change the world and I'm going to live my dream and I'm going to follow my why. You know, you went to school, you, you got a good education and you got a good job. So I grew up in a, a blue-collar family. That's all I knew. So it was like, okay, I'm going to get a job. So for me, when I started thinking about what I wanted to do for a job, like oh. mind you, I'm ten, <laughs> so um, you know, I wasn't really thinking about the rest of my life. I was just probably thinking about getting home and watching Doctor Who after dinner. But um, I, st- I was a big, a big book bookworm, like massive, massive lover of books, even at ten. And I spent a lot of time in the school library. Two reasons: one, I got bullied a lot. In primary school, we used to move around. Like my, I joke, my mother was a gypsy. Um, I found refuge in the books and in the library. So I started researching, you know, careers, and you know, I'd go through and look at. Okay, here are all the things that I'm really good at, and I came up with a list of um, teacher, librarian, and I went, well, that's pretty cool. I could spend the rest of my life with books, um, and journalist. And I was like, it really, really grabbed my attention because one of my favourite shows, and I was a bit of a dorky kid, was 60 Minutes. I loved 60 Minutes. I loved the way, I loved the way they held their hands while they were talking. I loved 
the stories that they covered. I loved the way that they delivered it. And as I researched what being a journalist was, I realised that it meant researching and finding out information and talking to people. So, yeah, I was 10 and I went, I'm going to be a journalist. So that's kind of what I set out to do. I had a few hiccups along the way. You'll have to read my mem- my memoir. I feel very fancy when I say that. My memoirs, um, which is, is coming out? out at Christmas. <laughs> I was going to say, is it out already or you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm only in draft form. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what exciting. I set out to do, to become a journalist. So I was 15 and I, I got some work experience at a local um, suburban newspaper and it was like, yeah, this is so cool. This is great. So, yeah, that's what I did. That's awesome. Yeah, and look, um, you know, not too many people that I know have followed through with what they thought of being as a child because I wanted to be an astronomer. I'm very far from being an astronomer these days. So it's good that your dream didn't get killed. No, I, well, I guess it did later on as I became an adult. So okay. I, um, I fell off the wagon a few times. You know, I just I discovered boys when I was 16. And I kind of lost five years of my life to a domestic violence situation. Um, got back on track and moved down to Sydney and started working for one of the big newspaper places in Sydney. And it was like, oh, my God, my dreams have come true. Um, I guess the challenge with me is that I'm very forthright. Um, back at 21, I was forthright and tactless. So anything that came out of my mouth was exactly what I was thinking. There was no like, oh, maybe you should censor that. It was just like, bleh. So while I, no, no filter at all. And, you know, if I, I just called a spade a spade. And when you're working in a big corporate office with very powerful people, um, you know, people who are writing the news, shaping the news, and predominantly middle-aged men, they didn't like that. And my journalism career kind of like fell off, you know, it was like a roller coaster. But as you came up to the top, there was no downward track. It just fell off. And um, I was probably 24 when I went, I don't fit in here. I, like, I'm I, I, I can't I can't do what these people do. I can't say things just because it's going to make somebody else like me more. I can't I can't you know I'd heard things that journalists had to do to get stories and I went, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm a news journalist. So I, I left um, I left under really um, controversial circumstances because I ended up taking my employer to court for atrocious workplace conditions because the way that they treated us youngsters was just appalling. The language and the sexual harassment and the long hours, the poor pay, um, it was it was really quite horrible. Um, and and I, then I questioned whether I, I had the guts and the determination to make it because all of my friends sucked it up and kept going. Um, so, yeah, I eventually left and put my tail between my legs and came home and came home uh, probably 20 kilos lighter because I went through depression and locked myself away for about six months um, and just smoked pot, 
drank and, and vomited because if I had to leave the house, I had a massive anxiety attack. So it was like kind of a bit of a, um, a, a disastrous end to a dream. And <laughs> it was like, where did that go wrong? So how did you uh, get it back on track? Or how did you get life back on track? Well, I moved home. So I was living in Sydney. I moved back to Brisbane and, um, you know, back where my family is and my friends, like people who really knew me. And um, I, uh, I, I thought, you know what, I don't want to work in the media anymore, but I don't want to be too far from the media. So I got a job as a media analyst. Um, where I was analysing the news for corporate clients. And that was okay, except I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning. And you know how horrible that would have been to me. <laughs> it was just, Absolutely. A, I was kind of like, I'm sure I spent the first four hours kind of like going, what? And I'm not the best person in the morning. I'm a bit cranky. And um, so I did that. And then I went, oh, what am, what am I thinking? Like, this is just not working for me. So I totally changed careers. And I became a support worker in a um, um, supported employment warehouse and I was responsible for 60 people with various disabilities. Um, you know, I was their trainer, I was their advocate, I was their support person. Um, I, you know, I learned to drive a forklift, I learned how to wrap packages, I learned how to do sign language and it really instilled back into me a love for my fellow human beings. Um, and I did that for four years until I had my first baby. And then while I was on maternity leave, it was like, oh, I really don't want to go back to work because it means they've got to put this, you know, cute little thing that I, you know, husband and I made into, oh, look, at, speaking of husbands, he just bought me a cup of tea. He's like, oh, I don't think he realises that he's <laughs> Half naked on a Facebook yeah. Live. I was saying, uh, I was thinking to myself, I hope he's got some pants on. Yeah, he does. My family wears pants, so just don't wear tops. Um, if my youngest son gets up soon, he lives in his underpants. So <laughs> I know I've got one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's like he pops up in my videos all the time, half naked, and it's like, oh, hi, Quinn. Everybody's looking at you. And he's like, oh, my God. Um, so I was thinking about this little kid that I had to put in daycare and um, I started looking for freelance journalism because I went, what do I really love to do? I love to write. I love to write. I love talking to people. I love asking questions and getting to the bottom of stories. So I, uh, I got a freelance job with the senior newspaper and I did that for oh almost seven years um, from home in and around first one baby and then two babies and it was just the best job it really brought back my love for journalism because you know I was talking to people over 50 it's funny now because I'm 50 in three weeks and I'm like oh my god I'm now the demographic for the paper that I used to write for <laughs> but I talked to mainly you know people who are in their 70s and their 80s people who had you know, been in concentration camps, who had volunteered for Meals on Wheels for 40 years, who had, you know, won um, Orders of Australia, who had you know, done amazing accomplishments and really didn't think that they'd done anything special. So it was really nice pulling those stories out of them and, and sharing their journey um, to an audience. And it was probably one of the best jobs I think I ever had. I loved it. 
Yeah, I think that's really special when you're obviously doing something really lovely for someone else and they probably didn't realise that, as you said, that they had something to share. That, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, and this is, uh, and I, I don't mean to do this, but this is exactly what um, our book is about as well, is sharing some vulnerability, things that we've been through um, to enable people to see that maybe what they're going through isn't so bad. <laughs> so, oh, look, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and that's one of the reasons. I mean, like even at 10, I think maybe I got, because my, my childhood had been so chaotic that, I think I realised on a, I don't know, a soul level that, and even though I hadn't shared with anybody at 10 the things that were going on in my life, I think I just kind of got that sharing stories was the way to do that. I used to write a lot about what, I wish I'd kept them now, I write a lot about what had happened to me. And I really think it was instrumental in how I came out the other end um, of all of those things because I was able to articulate what was happening instead of keeping it all in my head and I, and I look at the difference between my sister and I and you know we lived in the same house we went through the similar things and I coped a lot better than she did and I often wonder if it was because of my ability to articulate my feelings in words. I would guarantee that's what it is. Um, I've got limited experience in that, but whenever I've written something out or typed something out, especially if it's feelings, <laughs> I've actually gone, ah, oh, I don't need to have that argument or I don't need to uh, bring that up because it's out. So I think there yeah. is that, that um, what would you call it, like a... Uh, it's a cathartic experience. Cathartic, yeah, that's yeah. the best word. Catharsis. <laughs> hey, um, I had a few questions for you and... One of the things that I've been wondering, especially because, uh, you know, your world, there's so many different connections, but what is it or who, probably who more than what, who is it for you that uh, influences you or who do you follow that really helps you to actually aspire to do more? I love this type of question because, like, I've got a very, um, I've got a different answer because I'm hard to influence and I've never been one who's gone, probably the only person would be Bruce Springsteen. Um, to me, he's just a package, you know, great entertainer, great storyteller and a great delivery of stories. But I think the person who influences me the most is my younger son. Um, he has autism. Like his life has just been so challenging from a social perspective. You know, I joke that he's been in training for social isolation his whole life. He's actually coped really well with not going to school and not having to interact with people. But he, his bravery and his tenacity is, is quite remarkable for someone whose brain structure is a little bit different. You know, like he really struggles with change. But when I look at how he has changed to adapt to his environment, to, you know, get to the point where he went, you know what, I'm just never going to fit in, so I'm not going to try, but I'm, I'm going to do my best to always improve and be the best person that I can is, is really inspirational. And, like, he's only 15 and, you know, he's dealt with probably more challenges than many adults do. Um, you know, like I've met so many people who really never had to face anything 
overly challenging and their resiliency when something does happen is almost zip. And Quinn just kind of rolls with the punches. You know, he picks himself back up and he keeps going. Now, he is only 15. I mean, can I was just like, imagine what he's going to be like when he's 30. Like, so I always encourage him to to just be the best that he can be and, um, you know, worry about what he thinks about himself rather than what everybody else does. So, um, yeah, I guess he's my biggest influencer and, 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 uh, also the, the people in the small business community, like there's not just one person because I work with so many people and I work with a lot of people who left professional careers, you know, corporate careers. They're now out on their own and man, they're learning curves like this. It's like they're abseiling up a wall. There's so much that they don't know and yet so many of them just never, ever give up. They never, ever stop. They just keep going, they keep learning, they keep rolling with and they keep they keep rolling with the punches and they just keep I don't know, always striving to do more, be more and to, to have more and to make a difference. So yeah, I think, you know, it's it's no one like, you know, Gary V or Richard Branson or you know like Okay, they've, they've been there, they've done that, they've got their success. The people who influence me are the ones who are on the journey because they're the ones that have to do it hard. They're the ones that have got that, you know, that slog that they've got to get through. And when you watch them doing that and that they persist, then that kind of reminds me that it's like, okay, Annette, that, that was pretty bad what happened, but, you know, pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, and let's try a different way. I love those answers. And uh, I certainly wasn't expecting those type, although being a coach myself, um, I certainly understand how you feel with that because, yeah, I definitely know with a lot of my clients, I'm often growing with them. You know, I'll often say to uh, more than a few of them <laughs> and uh, one of them on the oh, I think it's one on, on the call at the moment, that, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm only a few steps ahead you know, and it's really exciting to to watch people grow, especially when you've been through it as well. Like you've been through it many, many times, and yeah. uh, you know what what a beautiful gift when um, your child can have some growth, especially when they do have the learning difficulties the way that he does. But you know, added to that, I was going to say the apple. I was going to say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It's not the right. That's not the right quote. It's more that I think you'll find that he's adapting really well because he's got great influence himself. So you have to take some of the credit there. Yeah. Well, yeah, both my husband and I. I mean, like we've all had challenges, and, and and it's interesting when you do do stories on people who've accomplished something, and they say, you know, especially with the the the, the seniors that I used to write stories on, and they go. Darling, look, I really haven't done much and we diminish our impact on the world and it's really kind of sad and, and it was something that it took me a long time to learn. But now it's like I own my impact on the world, good and bad. Um, maybe not always own it. Sometimes I do kind of like live in denial. But most of the time it's like, you know what? yeah, I, ha I have done something that's made a difference. You know, it may not have killed cancer or may not have, you know, solved world hunger or it may not have killed coronavirus, but 
it's had a ripple effect on those people who are in my sphere and what more could you ask for? And I, and I guess when I look at, when you say people ask who influences you and I look at these big names, there's, it's almost you can't attain their success because when you're talking to about Richard Branson, he's a freaking billionaire. Like how, how can I even relate to somebody who's got private private jets and, you know, homes all over the world and probably hasn't worried about paying a bill for, oh, maybe except for his virgin bill, but, you know, <laughs> someone else will look after that one. <laughs> but um, I, I look at them and I just think, you know, if I'm, I'm going to look at people who inspire me. I'm going to look at people who maybe, like you said, a few steps further ahead of me because then I know I can see the footsteps and it makes it easier for me to tread in those footsteps rather than go, oh, my God, they're amazing. I think there's only been one person I've probably been a little bit giddy around and that was Ray Martin when I met him about six years ago at a breakfast and it was like, oh, my God, there's my, my media hero right there and it was really nice. He's such a gentleman and, um, you know, he, he, he withstood my stupid jokes that I was cracking and we, we had a lovely photo together. I think I think that's a good one to have. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's not really any uh, negative connotations attached to Ray Martin, not to my knowledge anyway. Hey, uh, I, no, I agree. I don't think there is. Hey, question for you, because uh, I know there's a few people on here in our Zoom, uh, not not to mention probably on the on the Facebook, but I can't see at the moment. Um, what is it? Because I gave people a bit of a premise for what it is you do. So could you maybe unpack a little bit how it works for you right now? Yep, sure. Well, what works for me right now is very different to what worked for me two months ago when we went into isolation. Um, Two months ago, I was doing PR for people. So that meant people would come to me that have a story or stories um, that they wanted to um, pitch out to the media. And that was my job. I'd write their media releases for them. Um, I'd find the right media. I'd pitch that story out and cross my fingers and hope that the journalist found it as interesting as what we both found it. But during the process of isolation and having, you know, that, that grieving period that I think we all went through um, where, I, you know, I'm in a business partnership with the, another person under the Audacious Agency. So my arm of the business, the PR, basically disappeared over the course of two weeks. You know, I started the year and went, man, damn, we're going to have a great year this year. We're going to hit those income goals we set last year. And then by mid-March, I was like going, I wonder if I earn too much to get Centrelink. So um, uh, during yeah. once I got through that like grieving period and I went into a bit of a, a black hole for a while and came out and I went, you know what I've worked out? I actually realised I don't like doing people's PR for them. I kind of fell into it when I lost, I didn't lose my job, I know where it is, when my last role was made redundant like almost eight years ago. And I just fell into it and then I realised it was a bit of a pattern for me that I'd just fall into things and because I'm a workhorse and tenacious, I'd just put my head down and do it. And because I was earning, you know, a nice income, I didn't 
even though I'd wake up and I'd go, oh, got to go do this thing today, um, I just kept doing it. And coronavirus has given me space to go, you know what, that's not what I want to do anymore. So we, we're repositioning what I do. Um, You've pivoted. With, well, maybe not pivot. I'm going to say recalibrate because we're still doing PR, but there's a certain power in giving people the tools and the skills to do it themselves. So we've come up with this really cool done with you model. So it's not them doing it all themselves because sometimes when you give people those tools, it becomes overwhelming and with best, best intentions, they they don't do it. And the done for you, it distances from the, the, the process. So it's easy for them to go, well, that didn't work, you're to blame. And because my love language is words of affirmation, when I'm being blamed or, you know, and because I want to please, I um, I just kind of go into myself because it's like, oh, my God, I'm letting people down. So we've come up with this process called, um, we're going to call it um, how to be a self-promotion specialist because the, the big thing that I found after seven years of doing people's PR is that people don't want to be the best-kept secret. They want to be seen as the authority in their business. You know, that they want to be able to shout from the rooftops how good they are without it sounding like they're big-noting themselves. So we now, what we do is we audit people's profiles. So we go and look at how they show up in Google. Because, like, when you someone wants to buy from you and they're checking you out, what's one of the first things they do? They Google you. They also then go to your social media profiles and they search and they go through your profile and look at how you're showing up. And so many people are not paying any attention to their content that they're putting on their website, their third party. So we're trying to make PR bigger than just media, that it's this big package of all of these different tools and ways that you can share your story without you saying, hey, look at me, I'm amazing. So um, I call it dropping breadcrumbs. So we're going to be the ultimate breadcrumb dropper. So we're leaving enough touch points, enough articles, enough interviews, enough webinars that they speak on, podcasts, awards that they enter, books that they write, um, blogs that they've got on their website, um, how they show up in Facebook groups so that when someone is ready to buy and they go searching, that person is just dominating their space because human beings were pretty lazy you know if you go google something how many people go past maybe one or two pages not many i'm a bit weird i go i keep going until i'm at page 20 because i'm curious so we want when people finish working with us to dominate google we, we call it being googleicious so how do you get googleicious how does google love you um, and I'm not talking SEO, I'm talking stories. How do we create stories and put them out there so that people just find you, they like you, they trust you even before they meet you? I love that. That's awesome. Googleicious. I definitely need to be Googleicious. So. Googleicious. And you've got to dance <laughs> when you do it. Ooh. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably uh, even bigger for you to actually do a dance as well as uh, be on, you know, on this interview. So I'm almost awake now. I've got the beautiful sun shining on my face. So it's kind of like the vitamin D's kicking in. Uh, 
It uh, it definitely, as soon as I saw you come up on screen, I was thinking, geez, I wish I had that sun blaring. I'm going to have any sun at all. <laughs> it's dark that's in here. Spot. No, that's beautiful. Um, so another question for you is, uh, like, I know you mentioned small business. Is that the only area that you sort of work within or? Uh, no, look, I'm... I used to joke people would ask me what type of journalist I was and I said I'm a generalist specialist. I've worked in so many different areas with so many different industries with so many different people that I'm a, I'm a bit of a bowerbird of knowledge and um, once I, I get my teeth into a topic, I can pretty much write about anything. I mean, geez, I wrote about forklifts for 12 months. I think I can write about anything. If I, especially the Russian forklift industry, like I nailed that. So, um, you know, we really, we like working with small business. We really like working with individuals, um, either entrepreneurs, um, founders, or people who are in the corporate space who want to become Googleicious. There's my new word. I actually, I did Google Googleicious. And there's no, I'm, I'm going to coin that baby. That's mine. I'm taking ownership. Um, so it, it, it's just somebody, the people we work with are people who are hungry to be more well-known, who are not afraid to, like, give things a go, to, you know, explore the different stories. And when I say stories, I don't just mean your personal story, um, stories of, how you help people, you know, the tips and the hints that you've got, um, your insights, your observations, the things that irk you, you know, your knowledge, your experience, your skills, your expertise, the things that other people need from you. Because and here's why a lot of people don't get PR and they don't have the patience for PR. PR is not about selling. If you're coming and you're looking for PR to you know, sell a stack of books or to sell your latest widget or your latest product and service, then unless it's like absolutely mind-blowing, life-changing, the chances are that people will read it, get a few sales and people will move on. The news cycle is 24-7. Man, you go on online media and they're updating that stuff like every 30 minutes, maybe every couple of minutes if there's you know, stuff that they're drawing in. So to, to really stand out if you're just using traditional PR is really hard. Um, it's a hard slog for your PR person. It's a hard slog for you if you're doing it yourself. What PR really is, is about creating a perception and building relationships. So like I said before, when people are ready, they're ready to buy from you, there you are. And you're not just like, pop up and go, boing, here I am, I'm a business coach, I can help you, or boing, I sell, you know, shoes, is that they have seen you in Facebook groups or they've listened to you on a webinar and they've kind of, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like, I can't think of a really good analogy, you know, something that's following you around that, you know, like your, when your reticular activating centre is then ready for that, it's like, man, I've been seeing this person everywhere. They must be really, because the sales process, a lot of the time it's subconscious. We don't buy logically, we buy emotionally. So if that person is looking at you and going, I've seen Annette 
all over the place. I love a sense of humour. I love the, the I love how giving she is. She just gives away information. I've learned so much from her. But I'm at a point now where I actually need to go the next level. So that's the beauty of PR. And um, so that can apply to anybody. So whereas I'd always say to people, who's your target audience? And they go, everyone. Everybody's not my target audience. But it's those people who are going, I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready to go push. I want to win an award or push. I, I want to be writing articles on a regular basis and having people see and feel what it is that I know. I love that. It's uh, more solutions-based rather than just blanket approach. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, question for you. Another question is, you know, and I'm sure there's many, but can you think of maybe one or two really exciting moments on this journey and maybe in the, the newer aspect of what you're doing, maybe not the last two months, but maybe the newer aspect of your business? I've discovered a new love for chocolate. Um, <laughs> no. Um, okay, the, the, the first one that I can think of is when I was handed my notice to my last job so it was like 2013 and I'd been there less than a year it was this magnificent Greenfields role Annette come in do you know make changes less than 12 months later I was gone I was invited to go to uh, a seminar in the city in Brisbane and it was this couple of guys who were teaching people how to use webinars to make money and like I was like oh really I don't want to go, but my girlfriend went, you've got to come. You've been sulking long enough. So I went and um, there was a few things that it was the guy's called Stephen Esser and he's, he's standing on stage and he was talking about people's expertise and that we're all experts in something. And I was kind of like, I think I've grown audibly and my girlfriend elbowed me and she went, yeah, of course you're an expert. Like you've been doing this stuff pretty much your whole working life. And I went, oh, okay, here I am. So when he asked for guinea pigs, to show and teach how to create a webinar and do it live, um, I got picked because when I stood on stage and I said to people, I can show you how to, you know, use the media to get free publicity, people were like, oh, my God, I want some of that. So I guess the first exciting thing was realising that something that I had was valuable, that it wasn't just, you know, that, you know, that unconscious competence where you just kind of get, you do it, you think everybody knows it, but then when you open your mouth, you go, oh, okay, no, no one really does. Um, and, and that's a lesson for everybody is that if you're sitting there going, oh, I haven't really got anything to say, that's like just BS. You do. People need to hear it. Um, and I walked away that weekend with $5,000 in my bank account from selling this program I created in what? 36 hours. Yeah, I know. It was mad. I did this. I was, pe- I tell you what, I was petrified because I'd been at home sulking for six. There's a theme here. I sulked for a little while and then I picked myself back up. And um, so I had to do this webinar live in front of like a hundred people. And up until that point, the most, the biggest audience I had was my two kids and my husband. So I was kind of like, oh, this is terrifying. But I did it. My mouth was so dry. I remember my mouth just being so dry. And 10 people bought my program for $500. And I'm like, do they know who I am? Do they know what a loser I am? But 
they bought it. And then um, so I, pl- I puddled along um, and I guess the, the next thing was reaching like the five-year mark in my business and realising that for all the mistakes I'd made and all the things I didn't know and all the things I'd stuffed up, that I'd actually had done quite well and I was supporting my family. So that was pretty cool. I'd grown up in a house where you got a job. You didn't, nobody went into business. Like I didn't even, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was until I was like maybe in my 30s. It was like entrepreneur, what, what's that? What do they do? And then the next big thing was when Lauren Clement and I teamed up to write awards for people. Now I'd always written awards. It was just part of my skill set, but we formalized that and we created this program for women in business. And in 2017, we took a group of women to New York for the Stevie Women in Business Awards and we cleaned up. You know, we came home with 37 awards and it was like not us, but for our clients. And it was like, wow. That's really amazing. And then the next year we won the Grand Stevie because we'd helped write so many awards and helped so many people win that we were the first Australians to win the number one position um, in the Grand Stevie. So it was pretty cool. And I guess that the next exciting thing was probably in the last two months is realising that, you know, I don't have to keep doing things I don't like because I'm almost 50 my life short if I'm going to be working for the next 15 years of my life then I'm going to be doing things that I want to do so it's kind of liberating when you go ah okay I can do that I don't have to have permission from anyone I love those answers and uh yeah I think um the common theme that I keep hearing from you is you know and it's the thing that that I often teach a lot of the people who work with me is the more we give the more we get and it's not about getting but um you know <laughs> it's just organically you're gonna you're gonna feel better by helping people as much as you can and it's you know long term it's got such a high level reward so with what you've uh, i know you've sort of uh transitioned i use the word pivot just because it seems to be the word of 2020 um but i know it's not pivoting so tell me how does it sort of look and you know if there's anyone that's here on the call or anyone that's watching on facebook that might go I wonder if Annette can help me. I know you said you're sort of steering away from the PR. So what is it that you're going to do and can anyone get involved? Oh, absolutely. So like we, we, we haven't even put it on our website yet. We're, you know, we're still working through it. But basically um, what we're doing is we're creating effective strategies for people to promote themselves. Now, it starts with an audit. It sounds very serious, like the tax office, I'm going to audit you. But we start with, like, where where are you? Where are you right now? How are you showing up? Because you can't build on a foundation if you don't know if there's rocks just underneath or if there's tree stumps or if there's nothing, if it's clay and you're going to sink. So we start with that process and we go through and we look at everything that that person is on and what they're not on and what they want to achieve and we come back to them with a strategy which is here's all of these key areas so here's your your media here's your podcasts here's your awards here's your books here's your social media because they're pretty much the five main areas um oh sorry and your online so your digital marketing and, and how you show up online and we give them 
action steps for each of those. And out of those action steps, it may be, well, here's the things that we can help you with because we've got writers that um, work with us. We've got PR people that work with us. So we go, we think that you need to do a PR campaign at this time and we connect them with those or we, you know, we help them do. Or if they want, is we work with them to learn how to do that. So a little bit of consulting and coaching as well. Um, it's We've decided it's very bespoke. So someone can come and say, please send me a brochure of what should what, what it is that you're doing. So we can send them an overview, but because everybody's different, everyone's on different journeys, is that we don't want to be prescriptive and we don't want to be transactional. We really want to spend the time with that person, getting to know them and creating a strategy that's just for them, like nobody else could pick it up and run with it that they would and then guiding them through the process of executing that strategy. Because one of the other big problems I see is people go and do Facebook courses and LinkedIn courses and meetup courses and courses on courses and courses how to do webinars and they've got all of this knowledge. You can't see my hands. All of this knowledge and they're like loose threads because they do the learning but they never implement or execute. So we're good at that. So what we do is we get those threads and we weave them all together and we go, here's your plan to make this happen. But it's not going to be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's 12 months. You're going to have to work at this for 12 months and you're going to have to do these things every week, every month, every quarter, every year if you want to achieve the level of recognition that you're looking for. And that recognition may not be um, an award. It may be, um, you know, the media is coming to me because I'm an expert or, hey, my, my, my stuff's going off, it's flying off the shelves or I'm being asked to speak, you know, those type of things, that authority building type of stuff. So, yeah, um, that's what um, it looks like. Do you know, um, <laughs> on a personal level, I'm actually really excited to hear that you're doing that because uh, I might have to be become a client at some point. Um, question to you on what you on that because I love it. I love the package idea, and I, I know when I started my journey uh, in the past for 43 years prior, uh, I was always trying to figure it out, always doing the courses, always <laughs> doing the learning, never knowing what to do with it. And never asking for help, never wanting to invest in getting help as well. And that's been the biggest thing that's actually helped me with my journey is anytime I don't know something, exactly why, exactly why I employed Kat, you know, she's working on my other book at the moment with me, like directly, like kind of like what you're doing in a way where I don't have the skill set to do. <laughs> we had a structural editor go through my main book and I was just like, oh, I've got no idea what to do with it. So Thankfully, thankfully, she put up a hand to help me like we're working on it together. So it's really good. So yeah. question, like we've got a, I've got a worldwide audience and there's people in different countries on the call right now. Are you able to, is it just Australia or are you, can you do global? This is borderless. Um, you know, telling stories and building profiles is not just designated to the country I live in. We've worked with people in South Africa, we work with people in the UK, we work with people in the US. Um, you know, as as long as we can communicate, then we'll work with people from whatever country because 
you know, that's the, the common thing that ties us is that we all want to connect. We want people to realise, um, you know, how we're special. We want people to realise that we have a solution to their problem and it doesn't matter where you come from. And, you know, all of those things that I've listed, they're all common marketing techniques and tools. So, yeah, and we've got this amazing, we've got Zoom, we've got Facebook, we've got WhatsApp. Like the only thing is, is that I won't get up at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one really early uh, mastermind meeting I get on. And even that, I was like, ah, in the end, I need to get some rest, especially when you're doing late nights. Oh, um, look, it, for me, it's like, it, it's a, it's a deal breaker. If someone says this starts at five or six, like you said, 6am and I went, nah. And, and I guess that's something that comes with um, confidence as well is, I mean, I want to be light. That's the basic, you know, foundation of who I am. And I would just say yes, because I want you to like me. And then I went, you know what? I'm just, someone wanted to talk to me last night after six o'clock and I went, mate, I'm talked out. I really don't want to talk anymore. And it was like just such an honest answer. And she went, good on you. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> it is, uh, that's an important lesson that many of us need to learn. And it was one that I've had to learn, uh, you know, in, in many different careers, especially in real estate sales, which I did for quite a long time. Uh, a lot of the principals I'd work with, they say, oh, you, you know, you've got so much potential. You need more mongrel though. You need more mongrel. Because, because I was always, you know, wanting people to like me because I came from yeah. being a concierge in hotels, helping people. But, um, you know, I think you make a really valid point and it's not like it's not that we don't, it's not that we shouldn't want people to like us. It's just that we should want, we should be trying to do the right thing by us first. And then, you know, because as the saying goes, you know, you've got to fill up your own cup before you can pour it into someone else got to like yourself first don't you because when yeah. you don't like yourself first as my business coach says to me you got to stop prostituting yourself in it and it was like it took me a while to get to get that and so many of us prostitute ourselves because of the money or because we want people to like us or whatever and it it's not fulfilling and you, you get to the point where I was before coronavirus and I was I was on the, the road to burnout and overwhelm again because I was, I was, I was hustling and it's like oh, I want to hustle. I don't want this to be hard. I want people to work with me who get me and I get them and they understand the process. They're not just saying yes because they think that I'm going to get them the quick win. So yeah, we've got. I like me. I love it. And I think you're hundred percent correct. And I, I love what you've actually decided to do. And I think everything that you've told us so far leads me to believe that, uh, you know, the genuine, the genuine wanting to help people at a core level, not just to, oh, yeah, to make your business better or to get you some award. It's really just, it's like a holistic approach to, um, to helping someone in their business, uh, big time. So yeah, that's why Thank you. you got it's me not, personally excited. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, like this yeah. is the first time outside of Lauren and I talking about it and me bouncing the idea off a, a PR colleague. And this is the first time I've actually said it out loud um, so, to somebody so else. Scoop. 
We have the scoop. You have the scoop. And I'm, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited that you got excited about it because when you're trying to find, I mean, that's the challenge with trying to pivot is how do you know it's the right thing? How, how do I take my skills and my abilities and something that I've become so well known for and then going, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to do this. Um, but I can, but that's the gap in the market. And I think now's a good time to fill that gap in the market because we're going to come out of this and go, I've got to rebuild. And we're going, okay, we re, we're your rebuild specialists. Come over here and we'll ding the, the holes out and we'll putty up that big bog there and we'll send you on your way. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and not just that, I think, like you said before, you know, the, the hard thing is sometimes, especially if someone's not an expert in getting themselves out there or getting their SEO working properly, I mean, you know, sure, you can give them direction, but I know sometimes when I get, like, my coaches will give me different things to do and I'll be like, I really don't know how to do that and I don't really want to learn it. So is there another way? <laughs> There's another way yeah, we can do it. Absolutely. And, and that's how yeah. we came up with it because we realised that, that there are people like you have got all of these different um, modalities and different marketing, you know, strategies that they've looked at that are, are sound and that can do everything that they want to do but they're not specialists in that or they've made it too complicated. So we're trying to uncomplicate it and make it very methodical. Okay, this is what, you know, like I had a session with a lady the other day and I was just distracted by two swans flying overhead. That was so cool. Um, easily distracted here. Um, this lady and she did a PR session with me and we, we talked for a while and I said to her, you know, I've looked at your website and nowhere on your website isn't about you like I have no idea what it is that you do and why you do it and who you do it for because it's also kind of generic and markety and salesy like I want to know that if I'm coming to you for what your specialty is is that you kind of give a shit about me and that you understand where I, I'm coming from and you're bio says nothing about that it's just it's like too corporate and it's, it's actually quite boring and I said I would start with that if I was you because those are the foundations that people are missing out is that they're not getting that groundwork done they're not looking at their bios they're not looking at the words that they're using they're not understanding their target audience so so often they're you know hitting the ball over the net and it's just no one's catching it because they're like going, oh, was that ball for me? Sorry. I like it. I like the analogy. Hey, yeah, we've got a question from Wiz. Wiz is uh, my, one of my longest standing people that gets on the actual Zoom. And she's asking, I'm wondering, can you ever help too much? I have a problem with saying no. And not that the other thing, having either getting there but not there yet. Uh, I personally think my cup is leaking big time. That sounds like my cup. Um, yeah, I think you can help too much. I think that we enable people. Um, you know, we, we take away their power to kind of learn, stumble, pick themselves back up when we come in and we scoop them up and we go, oh, that's okay, I'll fix it. Um, I, I think that's I think that's why the done for you, done with you model is so powerful 
is that it's a collaborative approach that you go, here you go, I'm here if you need me, but I'm not going to do it for you because there's a, a, a power in you learning how to do this or there's power in you putting yourself out there to master whatever it is that you can. And when you're constantly helping people and, and sticking your finger in the dike to stop it leaking is that you're draining your own energy and that's a fast track to burnout and overwhelm and you can't help anybody then. And you begin to resent people. Like I started to resent people. I was like, oh, I didn't want to go to networking. I just went because someone's going to come up and they're going to want me to do something. And, and, and I had to look at myself and go, that's not me. Like, and how I was showing up, not just professionally, but personally. You know, like I stopped reaching out to my friends. You know, I just didn't want to talk to anyone. So I'm a work in progress. So, yeah, I think there's a point where you have to reflect on how you're showing up in your business. Um, and I, I guess having an amazing coach like you, Brett, would help with that because now that it's it's better out than in, you've talked about it, then you can find a solution for how you you, know, you navigate around that. You got it. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. She said, um, she also added this way, I'm ending. I end up kind of failing. And she said, I know there is no failure until you quit. And that's true. Uh, in, on my own goals because of that. So she feels like uh, because her cup is leaking and she's giving too much that she hasn't got enough for herself to reach her own goals. Yep, yeah. I, I can totally relate to that, totally relate. I've done it a few times in the last seven years and it's it's like that, you know, how many times do you need to bang your head against the brick wall before you go, oh, hang on, that hurts. Um, and, you know, as human beings, we, you know, like we've got all of these messages about pivoting and don't give up and be positive and see the bright side of life and, you know, reach out for help and do, you know, do all of that stuff that sometimes I think that it just overwhelms us even more when we should just maybe trust our gut. And my gut was telling me, as Wiz is telling her, um, that something's not right on the home front and it's time to stop and recalibrate, you know, like do something to change pattern interrupt because, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. And and I was the same. I don't think I was effective as what I could be because I wasn't feeling me. Do you know, it's often something that I'm saying to a lot of my clients. And when I first heard this, I thought, how can that be possible? Which is you need to, you need to remain as happy and as, uh, and as in as much joy as you possibly can and of course it can happen all the time, but the more that we're living in that, that feeling of joy and happiness, well, the easier it's going to be for us to get through whatever we're going through. And if we're constantly accepting stuff to be piled on top of us, well, how are we going to actually feel those feelings? Wiz is also saying, yeah, I feel and hear you not easy to change that paradigm when you do it your whole life. Well, been there. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and, and that's true and it's not true. Because change is a decision and then an action, you know, and, and I guess there's all this story I read many years ago about frogs sitting on the lily pond, lily pad, and, you know, they were like talking about moving on to the next pond and, you know, they kept talking about it and talking about it and, you know, this other frog came along and said, 
oh, I thought you guys were moving. And they went, yep, we made a decision to move. So you can make the decision, but then you have to act. And sometimes it's really that that changing your paradigm is deciding and then just doing one thing to change it. And that might be talking to someone about how you feel. Be honest or be honest with yourself. Most importantly, go, you know what, Annette, you're just feeding yourself a load of bullshit here. Um, time for you to maybe make a difference. But, you know, you take one step and then you take another step. And then like another cliche, how do you eat an elephant? One bite, one at, bite a at a time. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, like, and Weez knows this anyway from me, but pa- paradigms were the biggest thing that held me back. And I had no idea what the hell a paradigm was. And yet I'd followed Bob Proctor for 13 years at the time. And I'd been talking about this bloody paradigm shift and I still had no idea what the hell a paradigm was. When I finally <laughs> figured it out, you know, it was 43 years and then I figured out how to actually replace the old paradigm with the new one. And that's the only reason I'm here today, you know, talking to you. So Weez, we can always have a chat, you know that. You've, <laughs> you've got my messenger. Um, but, hey, Annette, we're at the end of the hour. Is there any sort of last words? And, of course, if anyone here wants to ask another question before we go, feel free. Um, but are there any last words you'd give to anyone? Any, like, uh, probably more a bit of advice that you might give someone, even if it's not relative to what you do. I. When, when I'm feeling down, I always go and watch a scene from Rocky Four, I think it is, or Rocky Five, and Rocky's standing there talking to his son and, you know, his son's like complaining and bitching and whining about how hard his life is because of choices Rocky's made and, and Rocky, Rocky says, five. you know, like, yeah, Rocky Five, I remember holding you in my arms and, you know, I never knew that you you're going to become this, you know, whiny little person because it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you get hit and you get back up and you keep moving forward. And I watch that when I'm feeling, oh, I don't know where to go next. It's just so inspirational to me because we as human beings are always going to get hit and get knocked down. And it's just part of being human. And if we we try to avoid that pain, then we lose a lot of valuable lessons um, to improve and to grow, um, even if it's not right now, to store it in that bank of when we're ready to improve and grow. And I guess, you know, like I often get people, when I tell them how old I am, they look at me and they go, no way, like you're like 35, so maybe that's wishful thinking. But it's like, why do you look so young? And I went, you know, even with all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the hardship that I've had in my life, I've never stopped looking for joy or for humour in what's around me is I can always find some light moment that helps me get through. And I think that it served me really well and I don't expect everybody to do it, but I think that if you can find the light in the dark, don't try and banish the dark. It's it's going to be there and we can't have good and bad without bad. Um, just embrace the dark, accept it, and then shine a light on it so that it doesn't look as scary and as bad. And then whatever it is that you're facing, you kind of like go, okay, I can get through there. And I know there's heaps of people out there to help you. I love that. And I'm often thinking about, I call it contrast. Without contrast, you can't really enjoy, can't really 
really experience what is what is really good without having something that's bad doesn't mean it has to be extremely bad, but you, you uh, need to appreciate when you have the contrast. Hey, um, I think that is, uh, we said she's going to watch that movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's Rocky Five. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll post a link to the, the, oh, that'd the be good. excerpt that I'm, I'm talking about and I'll go find the link for the book too and share it with awesome. everyone because I Fly is an amazing book. It is, Even though yeah. Brett and I are in it, but it's like... 20 people oh. who've overcome adversity and, and come out the other side. I mean, look at Brett. He looks so spiffy this morning. <laughs> Thanks, I, I, ba- I barely brush my hair. <laughs> Do you know, I, and I'm, I was going to say something to you when you told me you were 50, and this isn't to flatter you. I was like, I, I actually thought you were younger than me. And, of course, I'm only 35. Um, but I, I honestly thought you were younger than me. So I, I was surprised when you said 50, but well, I didn't want to you. seem like a suck-up. <laughs> It's kind of like it's my special skin. It is. I don't know yeah. what it is. I don't. I, yeah. And I guess it's just that is that I, I I'm I'm not a Pollyanna. Uh, I know bad things happen. Lots of bad things have happened to me, but I don't dwell on them, and yeah. I th- think that helps. I don't worry. I don't stress. Um, you know, I have moments of stress and worry, but I don't live there. Love it. Well, thank you, Annette. Really appreciate everything you've shared. Um, I know you'll pop some links in. Uh, especially I'd love it if you could, uh, and I know you haven't formalized exactly how it's going to look, but I'd love if you could pop your, maybe the agency in there, if people just want to reach out, um, at least put themselves on a waiting list <laughs> if they're interested to know Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're thank welcome. you everybody for tuning in. Thanks guys. And as they say in show business, That's a wrap. Well, I truly hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to subscribe and click on the bell to stay tuned for the next installment. And remember, as I always say, leave at least one person today with the impression of increase. That means have them leaving you feeling better off having spent time with you than not. And hopefully that's exactly what I've done with you today.